world is noisy, God Whispers, the podcast, is a production of Journeys Revealed Ministries. Glorify the Lord by your life. To learn more about this Catholic nonprofit apostolate, visit the website journeysrevealed.com. And now on with this month's show. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The World is Noisy, God Whispers, the podcast. I'm your host, Julia Monin, author of The World is Noisy, God Whispers, books, series now, three of them. I am joined today with an incredibly special guest. Alex Wallace is here back in the studio, a.k.a. our office. I love it. <laughs> I love to call it a studio. It sounds very professional. Yeah, it sounds professional. Yeah, it's an office. Yeah. Um, so we welcome back. If, if you remember, if you follow the show regularly, you'll remember that Alex was on, on the show before back in October of 2021. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, time sure flies. Because um, it's... I'm looking at it's April because I April. don't know what month it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's April of 2023. Yeah. Ah. So when you came on the first time, we we had really I just met you. Um, you were you were new in the practice and, right. and, and what you're doing, and um, we we were graced to have you to talk about forgiveness, and we kind yeah. of talked about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the Lord is continuing to cross our paths and just That's realizing right. like let's let's do this again. Sure. So we have all sorts of things that we could talk about today, but That's ultimately right. we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead Amen. <laughs> lead our conversation. And, and um, really just want to begin by welcoming you back and encouraging the listeners to go back if they want to go back and listen to the episode you were on. Yeah. That was episode 48. It was called Freedom is in the Forgiveness. And um, it was a two-part series. But the first part, I just kind of introduced people. I was here by myself, introduced people to the theme. And then sure. we welcomed you on. But anyway, welcome back, Alex. Thank Remind you. Remind the listeners like just what you do, what, what line of work you're in, a little bit about yourself and your family. And then if you want to just, we'll start our conversation by just like, it's been almost two years since you've yeah, been with us. That's um, right. What have you learned in that time and how does that play out in, in what you're doing for the Lord? Yeah, I'm so glad to be back. Um, as we were talking before we started recording, it's fun to be in Botkins mm-hmm. and just to kind of see this beautiful area and just this really beautiful cozy space and the things mm-hmm. that you're doing to invite people to walk into a deeper relationship alongside the Lord, with the Lord, mm-hmm. to receive the Lord. It's so good. So I love it. Um, yeah, so I work for Rua Wood Psychological Services. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor in Ohio. I'm also licensed in Indiana as well. And so my wife and I, we uh, live with our children in Vandalia, Ohio, which is re- just around 75 and 70. And then my office, it's a satellite office. It's the first satellite office that Rua Wood Psychological Services has. Um, it's in a really, really small town called Ludlow Falls, which is just outside of Troy. And yeah, we are a Catholic nonprofit providing um, some of the best therapy services that we can offer. Uh, and also all the while upholding what is true, good and beautiful about our Catholic faith. So I work with individuals, couples, lady, clergy, um, adolescents, adults, some children work, some family work, Mm -hmm. just the whole gamut, working with people that are navigating depression and anxiety, trauma, grief and loss, um, and couples communication breakdown and issues, um, intimacy issues. I mean, it's really a big wide net. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, when when I first came, when you welcomed me onto the show, um, into the podcast, I like was really still pretty new. We opened the practice in like June, July-ish, a couple of years ago. 
And so that was October. So it was just a few months. I was still kind of connecting, still letting people know that we were here. People Mm -hmm. had known about our organization because we've been based in Cincinnati for over a decade now. And Mm -hmm. Dr. Andrew Sodergren has been leading the way um, for a long time, doing great things. So people knew about us, but, you know, it was so far out, so far away that when we made this satellite, we were letting people know that we're here. Um, Man, it has taken off since um, my schedule is super busy which thanks be to God is a great thing Um, and just so blessed and honored to walk with so many people from Dayton the northern part of the archdiocese um, from you know Salina to Wapak and everywhere in between Um, people throughout the state via telework people in Indiana through telework it's Mm -hmm. been it's been amazing and I've really loved you know, when I moved from Indiana, I thought I knew what it was like to be at least a decent Catholic clinician. But since joining Ruah Woods, like things have changed, you know, significantly for me as a practitioner. Mm. Um, I went to a secular school, I went to Ball State, and they were really great at helping people understand like evidence-based work, like what what are some of the things that appease insurance companies? What gives you reimbursement sure. for services mm-hmm. and stuff like that? But since coming to Brua Woods, we um, we don't really care necessarily about the insurance game. We don't really care about doing necessarily symptom management. We want to be in touch with the person mm-hmm. and their full self and everything that's happening for them and help people to walk in the freedom that Christ has uh, like helped us, has created a path for us that the Father has created us to be and to look like from the beginning before the fall and to respond to the fall and the other wounds that exist in our life. And uh, yeah, so I'm like on fire with a particular model that I'm in love with right now and just helping people to walk through not just symptom management and like um, make myself feel better in the moment, Mm -hmm. but really like where of those where are those wounds coming from? Where are those symptoms coming from? Um, I could keep talking forever if you'd like, sure. but I just, uh, I think one of the biggest things that has transformed my outlook on therapy is that when people come to me for therapy, they'll often say, hey, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety or depression. And one of the most significant things that Dr. Andrew has like helped me to grow in as a practitioner is that symptoms and the way that we current view it within a lot of the counseling model, symptoms are things that need to be suppressed. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm anxious, then I need to suppress my anxiety or if I'm sad, then I need to suppress that and, and tell myself to be happy or whatever. Mm -hmm. But really like symptoms are our failed attempts at dealing with the deeper problem Mm. right so thinking about it like when someone comes to me with a lot of anxiety about the world the world today Mm. right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stressful things a lot of conversations about end time talks whatever it is right and people are like i'm so anxious Mm -hmm. and my anxiety is uh, making it impossible for me to be free enough to do good work Mm -hmm. or to be a great parent or to be a good spouse or whatever. 
If I come in and I tell someone, hey, well, let's just breathe out that relaxation mm-hmm. and, and and get rid of that anxiety, um, then they're going to feel a little bit calmer in the moment, but they're still going to feel generally pretty anxious and like something is unresolved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then there's going to be a conflict between parts of themselves, one saying, hey, I'm, I'm really anxious, another one that says, hey, uh, shut up, you're going to ruin it for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so breathe your way out of this. Mm-hmm. And so instead, I've taken this perspective of like, what are you, like, what is the anxiety doing? Mm-hmm. What is it trying to help with? Mm-hmm. And taking a deeper dive and understanding how people are afraid of suffering, afraid of being alone, mm-hmm. afraid of being hurt like they've been hurt mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And so anxiety was actually like so helpful before at getting through really hard times that now as an adult, they might not trust themselves to be able to get through. And so they get, they turn to anxiety again, continuously to just power through, make sure I'm ready, limit the suffering, um, not get caught off guard. And so when, when we as therapists now, especially at our practice and, and many other practitioners throughout the world are seeing this, it's like, I don't want to tell someone to stop being anxious. I want to know where that is. Where's is that coming from? So I can encounter that hurt child's mm-hmm. or whoever it is that is so afraid of being hurt again and go wrap that person up with love. Mm-hmm. And I was not this practitioner when you and I interviewed in October. Okay. Right? Two years ago even. Yeah. And so today it's been so fruitful, the transformation that I've experienced and to see and walk with the work that people are doing Mm -hmm. when they're better understanding what is going on and what their heart is seeking, which is security, security in relationships with others and ultimately security in relationship with the Lord. So one of the um, key points of the, the mission and the purpose of Journeys Revealed Ministries, which is who's producing this podcast, The World is Noisy, God Whispers, which is this, the, the Catholic nonprofit apostolate that, that all my work is being done under, under that umbrella now. But one of our, one of our missions is, is to encourage people to live lives of, of vulnerability and this isn't just for the sake of being vulnerable because why aren't you vulnerable? Just no, no. Like it's not just for the sake of like airing out dirty, like skeletons in the closet or just to make you feel bad about all this mm. stuff. But, but this, for the sake of, we, we are so afraid of being vulnerable, yeah. even with, and for sometimes for good reason, because sure. we've been hurt and wounded and, hurt. and all of that and abused and neglected and all of this. Um, but this idea of when, when we're able to be a little bit more vulnerable with each other then at the end of the day, we'll learn how to be more vulnerable with Christ. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we're not even vulnerable in our relationship with him. We're not. We say our prayers. If we're faithful, we do these things. We check the boxes. Um, but we're not going to talk about this, Lord. No, we're not going there. We're not going to that wounded place. I'm not talking about this with you, right? Yeah. And so the idea is to walk with people, encourage people to be vulnerable, which is why we, we publish you know journals. We publish stories of souls. Like These aren't like 
stuff on the surface that you are comfortable sharing. These are things that are really deeply personal yeah. and very uncomfortable. Part of it is it, it grows you as a writer, as, as, as a child of God. It'll sanctify you in the process of learning to be vulnerable. Um, but again, it's not just for the sake of being vulnerable. It's for the sake of you growing in your relationship with Christ. Amen. This is where our security really lies. Amen. This is when, when that peace that the Lord promises, you know, the peace that the world cannot give is a peace that's firmly rooted in him, that the world could, could be on fire and can burn tomorrow, but I'm so deeply rooted in him that I'm not shaken by that reality. 100. And it's not that we don't experience it. It's just that we know that ultimately our security is in him. Yeah. You use the word freedom. Our freedom is in him. Yeah. And, and what is this we hear about scripture? Perfect love draws out fear. Perfect yeah. love draws out fear. And so how can we better um, embrace what that means mm. as a Christian, as a Catholic Christian, to walk and to live in this perfect love? Um, yeah. A teeny tiny portion of that is learning how to be vulnerable sure. um, with, with each other, um, with, with the Lord in our lives of prayer. And so you're speaking to to the, the truths of what, what we're doing here in, a, in, a, in this sense of writing and speaking and walking with others one-on-one as spiritual companions or whatever but ultimately this is the heart of it isn't it the crux of the matter is 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 learning to walk in this freedom as as christians um and and to allow the lord to allow us to overcome this fear so thank you for for sharing that and like just what he's done in in your life in the life of your soul and in who you are as a practitioner in these last couple years so a couple key things i want to like keep talking about yeah by the way listeners if you're tuning in um you're tuning in because you're hearing this. You're tuning in. <laughs> there, like most of the time, podcasts, you know, are, are maybe 20, 30 minutes, unless I do a special series, which those get a little longer. Uh, um, Alex and I don't really have a time frame today. So we're just going to let the conversation keep flowing. So this might That's be right. super long. No rob- problem. Pause it. Like just yeah. pause. If you only had what you had today to tune in, go ahead and pause. Come back tomorrow and pick up where you left off. Totally. You do not have to finish the whole episode in one sitting. That's right. <laughs> so if you need to pause, pause, come back to us. But um, we're going to keep the conversation rolling. So, Loneliness. Yeah. We touched on this, right? Yeah. Um, we're insecure. The symptoms sure. that we experience, emotional symptoms, maybe are pointing to something bigger underneath, right? And you yeah. you help the you help the client, the person um, navigate that, right? That's right. Because sometimes we do need help navigating this because it can be incredibly fearful, and we can be sure. totally overwhelmed by that. Yeah. But can we touch on what you've seen in practice? Um, what maybe you've experienced yourself with your own growth in the life of prayer and that with with the reality of that, of that loneliness aspect and that, that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So loneliness, um, I was recently given a talk about loneliness and how it's really kind of the bane of our existence. Like how we, uh, when we're alone, when we suffer alone or the fear of loneliness is really so often at the crux of, of what's going on for, for our suffering, for our problems, for our stresses in life. And, um, you know, within a, a medical model today, one of the things that we see, let's just take an example of something like obesity mm-hmm. or addiction or something like that, right? The medical model in the world has been trying to figure out for a long time, how do we help people live healthier lives? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can throw education at them. We can throw diet programs at them. We can give them all of the knowledge and reasons at which maybe they're just, maybe they just don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually we've tried all of these tactics and it's, and it's not working. And so something that's been really interesting to see is that a lot of the same symptoms that associate with something such as uh, overweight or obesity, um, like chronic health problems like diabetes or physical health, other physical health issues, blood pressure issues, um, 
cancers, whatever they may be, are also associated with a lot of the experiences that associate with attachment wounds or relational wounds or this sense of others are unsafe, Mm -hmm. right? Um, When we think about these wounds, it can be basically any wounds that have happened from somebody that mattered a lot to me, a parent, a significant other. And I started realizing that like relationships are scary. Mm. And what I hope them to be, they might not be. And so I have to become self-reliant on dealing with my problems because if I come to somebody else, they might be inconsistent at best. Mm -hmm. And at worst, they might hurt me. Mm -hmm. And so how do I deal with those emotions? Well, when we look back in Genesis at the beginning, it wasn't supposed to be in isolation. We were meant to have this companionship, this relationship, ultimately first with God and that beautiful isolation and, and aloneness that we had with the Lord. And then he gave us a, a companion to walk with, right? This beautiful, I love the Adam and Eve story. I get this experience of like Eve and Adam and seeing each other for the first time and Adam taking this beautiful deep breath of like, <sighs> someone like me here mm. right this bone of my lasts. bones yes yeah. mm-hmm. just like oh how good that is that i don't have to explain myself fully to somebody someone else gets the human experience that mm. i get mm. and they can look at me with love and they can receive me and like mm. he had that with the lord too but there was something about a human relationship mm. that just elevated the experience more than an animal relationship that he could have with other animals and plants and gardening mm. etc like there was something about that human relationship And so it's like deep in our core to like long for these relationships. And when we start to see relationships as scary or hurtful and we try to navigate the emotions that we're dealing with, really we're supposed to be able to come to people, to walk with people. St. Thomas Aquinas himself says one of the major five remedies for navigating distress and sorrow is is actually talking with someone Mm. that you can help to enter into uh that they can enter in compassion with you co-passion and turn to that suffering with i think of the example of um jesus carrying the cross and um saint simon of cyrene coming in and helping him to carry his cross with him that co-suffering right um and so people like we are so needed and helpful for others and others are there supposed to be for us but when Mm -hmm. that woundedness happens when i don't feel like i can come to others then what do I do? How do I deal with my emotions? Well, uh, they could overwhelm me and, and I might die when that, so that's an extreme. Mm-hmm. So how do I like, what's, how do I live life, but not come to others, but not die? Well, I might turn to food, which gives me an immediate, like a drilling kick, it helps me feel good. Or maybe I turn to work mm-hmm. where I'm appeased and I get reinforcement that I'm doing a good job, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or I know that I'm having an impact on mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I turn to gambling. Mm-hmm. Or I turn to addiction, like mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol that numb my emotions away and immediately give me a sense of relief, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we try to deal with it and navigate it. We, we, uh, while, while our emotional system is not offline, we learn like, okay, I gotta do something to help navigate through to persevere through life but then what does that cause it reveals to us even more loneliness because it doesn't it it temporarily helps to ease the problem but then it creates a whole mess of other issues whether it's chronic health problems 
or uh, financial problems or relational problems where I start to look as a relations instead of being things that I can come to feel safe with, I use and abuse others or whatever it is, right? And then I spiral and then I end up in a worse position than I even was before. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to me for therapy, we're often just experiencing a sense of loneliness. And these tools, like I said a little bit ago, like the tools that we use, which once were helpful, maybe when I was a child and I was being abused and abandoned at home, it was sports and or uh, my academic success that was the only thing that gave me love. So I prioritized that. And then mm-hmm. when you're an adult, you stop getting that feedback mm-hmm. because, well, we're just living as adults now. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, you're getting feedback in a lot that you're not maybe good enough, right? If you're, if you're a parent, we get that all the time with our children mm-hmm. who are throwing fits or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's really hard. So I turn to these things and it's so hard. So then people come to me and they're like, I'm trying to navigate, but I'm struggling. And what I enter into with them is through me, I become like an attachment figure for them. And I start slowly to rewrite the narrative that I can be vulnerable mm-hmm. with whatever's happening and people will care for me, mm-hmm. right? And that they will be there for me. And there's something about that love that feels so much different than a drug could ever do, mm-hmm. right? And so then through me, we we start risking being open. And then they find that I'm there with them mm-hmm. and they love that. And mm-hmm. then the, the weight of the pressure because of the vulnerability that you talked about so beautifully, the weight of the pressure starts to release. And then we start to see well, what are maybe some of the relationships in your life where you can be start, start to be more vulnerable, maybe with them mm-hmm. or really, and we talked about, you talked about God and you talked about with others with myself. Mm-hmm. We're going to just be real mm-hmm. and vulnerable with me. Sure. Like, Hey, I, I'm not, like we said earlier, competing of parts. I got the part of me that's like really scared and sad and overwhelmed. We got this other part that's like, hey, shut up. You're going to ruin it for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so then it brings in the drugs or whatever, the critical voice. Mm-hmm. And instead, I have a part that says like I'm scared. What about, like what would be the perfect parent response to that? Yeah, like you're scared. Can you tell me like mm-hmm. what's going on for you? Mm-hmm. Right, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And we give our spell ourselves that space, not separate personalities, but like mm-hmm. all of that exists within us. A part of me that's scared, another part that says, Yeah, like mm-hmm. I feel that. That is this, yeah, this is a scary time. And I'm gonna be here. It's okay. We've got this, right? We we've been successful before, whatever. Mm-hmm. We prove that relationship with ourselves mm-hmm. too through therapy. And um yeah, and then ultimately, like you said, like in that relationship with God, really talk about a consistent love, a consistent presence, a consistent care. And yet, if in our relationships we've been so hurt by other people, God is person too, it's really hard to give him what he wants to give us, mm-hmm. which is a recognition of who he is so he can give us what that recognition means to us mm-hmm. his love for us we see him instead maybe as a parent like who we ultimately see him as like or are called to see him as is this 
love itself, mm. carer of us, willing to die for us, set us free, all of these beautiful things. And instead, we might see him as a parent that I have to please in order to earn the the recognition that I saw because my parents, that's how they loved me. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, that's how I'll see the Father and mm-hmm. the Son and the Holy Spirit too, maybe. And so as we take time in therapy to rewrite that narrative of relationships, we start to open up rewriting the narrative of the relationship with the Lord, or at least being open to it and risking to come to the Lord in a vulnerable way, in a way that we've never done before, as you said, as you do, as you're doing, which is so beautiful. And then what do we find on the other side? God who loves us. Yeah. And then he shows us how to better love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then he shows us how to better love others. And it just rewrites everything. Mm-hmm. So that loneliness, like I said, loneliness is like the bane of our existence because it robs us of being vulnerable with ourselves, with others. And ultimately it robs us of the relationship Mm -hmm. with God. That is the most amazing thing that we could ever ask for. Mm -hmm. We just don't know how to ask for it or maybe we're too scared to. Mm -hmm. So question for you then. Yeah, please. Because we live in a world with where we've never been more connected. We've never been more connected. I can connect with somebody who's across the ocean. In fact, I have listeners that listen from other countries, right? Oh, cool. So yeah. like how, how we, this, we've never been this connected. Sure. I can get on social media and I can see people from all over the world, connect with people from all over the world. And yet we've never been more lonely yeah. than what we are now. Right. So that is the reality. And I think most of us can experience that and, sure. and our, our, like the science can prove that, but we are yeah. experiencing it. We know that that's the case. 100. So how, how, how do we go about in our own lives, um, even if we're not mining the depths of, of you know, of, of therapy or psychological help or, or even spiritual companionship or whatever, even just in a very practical way, how can we go about being a remedy of this in, in the world around us of, of really what is what is happening, this authentic, this loneliness that's, that exists in our own lives and lives of others? Um, when I sit down with people one on one, that's a common thing that comes mm. up with um, that longing for authentic friendship, that longing yeah. for for that. Um, and I often think, uh, you know, I my meetings too are done very confidentially, as I know yours are. Sure. Um, and so I don't disclose like who I'm meeting with. But oftentimes I'm sitting here like, man, if you just met you, boom, you're yeah, best friends. I know, I know, like right? you're, you guys are like perfect for each other, right? Um, yeah. But I know, I know in my own <clears throat> life, and we're talking about as as a group, like how we can just socialize more so people can in, can meet one another. But anyway, sure. um so to, so I'll let you finish that thought, but then, you know, to think about that, like that, that's a real thing. And even in my own life to, to, to know that, like I grew up surrounded by, by friends and by people I loved. And I, I didn't want for company in my life. I've never wanted for company in my life. I'm an extrovert. I've always been, you know, the one in the, you know, the life of the party or whatever it Mm. is. And yet I never really understood what true authentic friendship was Mm. until I really started to grow in my life of prayer. And I realized um, you know, well, who, who Christ is, who I am, who I am in God's mm-hmm. eyes, that, that I am forgiven, that, you know, that sacrifice on the cross meant something for me and right. to me. And then, you know, the Lord starts bringing in people, um, new people in your life are like, wow, this person is actually a friend. Actually, yes. I, I don't know that I've ever had a real friend. Like sure. there's, I'm not manipulating this person. They're not manipulating me. I'm not seeking any validation from them that's twisted or wounded or anything. It's just, 
hey, I'm your friend and I'm here to walk with you and encourage yeah. you and and um, encourage you on this path to sainthood. And that's the only that's the only um, essence of our friendship. And that yeah. that was something new that I never really experienced until I began growing in the life of prayer. So yeah. that was kind of a lot to throw at you, but, but <laughs> kind of pull something out of there. So yeah. it was like, yes, this is a real problem. We've never been more connected, but we've never been more lonely. Um, what can we do to, to remedy that as mm. ordinary everyday people in our everyday lives? Um, and, and not just for others so we can help others, but for ourselves, how can yeah. we remedy, remedy it in our own, in our own lives? That is such, oh my gosh, it's really just a beautiful topic and reflection. And there's a few things coming to mind, but you said like, what is the heart kind of revealing to me first in this mm-hmm. moment? And I think one of the things that I heard you talking about <clears throat> that you experience in um, like through prayer, having that intimacy, it's transformed you as a person. And then you are entering into relationship with others and people are encountering what true authentic friendship and companionship and relationship can look like in a really beautiful way. Um, One of the things that I was thinking about that actually makes relationship with people so amazing is the times in which also we, uh, we fail to be maybe the perfect friends, right? And whatever Mm -hmm. it is in the sense of like, um, even as a therapist, mm-hmm. I run into this where <clears throat> like if a patient comes to me and they're upset about something, I might miss it, mm-hmm. right? Just because I'm a human mm-hmm. and I might miss it. Mm-hmm. And then they they might feel pretty sad about that, mm-hmm. right? Um, because like, oh, that reminds them of a parent mm-hmm. maybe or, or, or friends that they had reached out to and uh, ignored them mm-hmm. or whatever it is, right? And um, or maybe as a parent for me, I overreact one day. I'm just like stressed and I like uh, get like angry at one of my children mm-hmm. and like maybe yell or something like that. Right. Or I yell at a friend or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Like those, those really happen in mm-hmm. relationships and mm-hmm. authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's a rupture. And so I think first is to see that like when you talk about like, how do we, how do we grow? We're more connected than ever before. Well, we're kind of like, like you said, like, I mean, technologically, like praise God for this, this gift where I can provide teleservices to people across the state and stuff like that. We've never been able to do that ever before. And so we can do that now, but there are certain like limits and stuff that go into that relationship that as soon as I feel like the relationship is not serving me anymore, it's risky. I can run away from it. Right. Like authentic relationship isn't necessarily like that. Right. Like it's to say like I've been hurt and one of the things that I love to invite my patients to do and I like really will draw in is like, hey, if I'm saying something, if I'm asking something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable, maybe I repeat words that you say that like that's not what you said, I misheard it or when I repeat it back, it doesn't quite fit, there's something more um, or maybe we're just talking about a topic that's a bit uncomfortable I give people permission. I strongly give people permission to tell me that they're feeling uncomfortable, right? Um, and then I take it one step further and I ask, like, are you sure you would do that? Like, are you sure? And people are like, uh, I might feel uncomfortable at first, but yeah, I'd be willing to give it a try. And what happens is so beautiful. So in the times where I miss or in the times where I repeat something and I might have misheard it mm-hmm. or the times where as a parent I um, explode mm-hmm. right or the times where I'm a friend our friend calls on me um, and I fail to be there 
Um, in those authentic relationships, it's having the courage and the freedom to say, hey, uh, I'm feeling a little hurt right now. I'm feeling um, a little sad right now. Or, this is uncomfortable to me. Or um, one of those like reactions of being vulnerable. Again, you said the word, you mm-hmm. coined it. Where I think we're going to keep going back to this mm-hmm. handle today of vulnerability, which is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Of coming vulnerably around the bush right Mm -hmm. and presenting ourselves to the other person in hopes that they will be there for us in ways that we haven't felt safe enough to do before and it's in that authentic friendship that you have grounded in that relationship with god and that security is to know that i i can say i'm sorry right Mm -hmm. and then know like like that doesn't make me bad that the Lord is there for mm-hmm. me and he loves me. And like through that, sorry, like I can receive this person and this person in a new way can walk in a freedom that says, yeah, relationships hurt sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. And what that does is it gives us when I have that friendship with you, mm-hmm. let's say I felt hurt by you, I come to you, you so beautifully respond to that. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't mean that, I didn't know that. Actually, if we may, this reminds me of a time we crossed paths in a bookstore. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, I've been shooting some emails. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I haven't seen those. Right, right. And you responded so beautifully. And then what are we doing? Here we are today, mm-hmm. having this podcast, and we navigated mm-hmm. it because... I felt secure, you felt secure, we and our security met each other, mm-hmm. and our relationship grew. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how cool is that, mm-hmm. right? And so what does that do? Like, when I reach and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm feeling this way, and you respond to it in a beautiful way, I learned that, like, when I mess up, I can do the same thing for people. Mm-hmm. I can go to someone and say, I'm sorry, or, um, like, with my children, like, you know, really kneeling down and just mm-hmm. being like, daddy really kind of screwed up back there Mm -hmm. um but i just love you so much that Mm -hmm. i get really sad when i see things like this Mm -hmm. and i bring them in and i hug them right Mm -hmm. and that's true connection Mm -hmm. right is walking through this forgiveness this deeper love this authenticity this vulnerability Mm -hmm. which is exactly what the lord yearns for us, he never wants those wounds to hold him back. He gives us the sacrament of penance, confession, to be able to come to him, to always pour out that mercy and that grace upon us, to always welcome us back, mm-hmm. right? And teaching us constantly about rupture and repair, rupture and repair. He's ready to repair. He's ready to repair. He's always ready to repair mm-hmm. for us as we rupture that relationship at times. And he invites us to do the same. And so mm-hmm. you asked, what does the heart reveal? I think the first thing is just like, in those technological relationships, there can be a lot of limits to it. A really authentic connection is to not let my shame and my guilt rob me, not let my fear rob me of a better relationship, of a deeper relationship of being loved. And then through that being encounter of being loved, I can love others in the same, in the same way. So I'm not, I'm not sure if you realize it as clearly as what I realized it as you were speaking. But from my perspective, everything that you've just said there is pointing to humility. 
So what's the remedy? How do we become, how do we become better conduits of, of helping people know that they're not alone, of connecting with them in our lives, in our relationships with ourselves? Like, cause this is a reality we all face. One is to grow and grow in humility. Amen. And, and, and we know, we know, we know that the root of all sin is pride. Okay. Well, what's, what, what's the, what's the opposite of that, right? Mm, it's humility. That's right. And so often, um, to, to realize this, that in authentic friendships, you do, you have that freedom cause you're secure with one another, that yeah. you have the freedom that I don't have to hide from you that I messed up because yeah. I know you love me and I know you're going to receive this and I know you want what's best for me and you're not thinking the worst of me. So I'm really sorry. And I've noticed that in, in these authentic friendships I've talked about that, that freedom of being able to just call and say, you know, it's not like this skirtish kind of like, Oh, I don't want to say I'm sorry, but I know there's like no anxiety about it. I owe you an apology. Yeah. I messed up. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And to know that, um, that's going to be received and loved and it's going to be say, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I accept your apology. And, um, you know, again, we continue in this together as friends, yeah. um, um, in Christ. And so like, and that, this is so beautiful because it's the essence, not only of our, our, our psychological beings and who we are and our emotional beings and how we're processing all of this, but our spiritual selves, our souls, right? Mm. The, the fall back to the beginning was a fall of pride. I, I don't trust you. I don't trust your goodness. I want this for myself and yeah. I'm going to take it. And so how do we grow in all of these ways? Well, one is humility and, um, you know, being a secular Carmelite, a discalced Carmelite and spending time reading, you know, the lives of Teresa of Avila, who I'm looking at <laughs> behind you because she's on mm. my wall here. Um, but ultimately to know that, that, this life of deep prayer in, in, in her charism in her, in the way she communicated it was a life of friendship, intimacy yeah. with Christ. Yeah. Um, it's that's ultimately as a Carmelite, that's what we're called to be in the world. Friends of Christ, friends of Christ. Oh, and, and she'll talk about these truths about the spiritual life and this and, and prayer and these lives of prayer having, um, really these, these three foundational pieces, humility, um, charity, love of others. Um, and, Oh my goodness, I'm blinking on the third. Anyway, no humi- detachment, 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 yeah. humility, detachment, charity. Mm. So humility, what does that mean? Part of that is growing in self-knowledge. Part of that is recognizing who I am, um, who God is. Amen. And we realize who God is. We realize who we're not. We're not God. But a part of this is admitting our mistakes. We're not perfect. Right. We're not perfect. And our, so much of our lives is, especially if we've grown up in dysfunctional upbringings or dysfunctional homes. And we could have grown up in the best of homes and had all this twisted in the way we received it. Sure. You know? 100%. Um, so, but the, part of this is admitting, you know what? I'm not perfect. Um, and what does that make us admit? Oh, we need a savior. You need a savior then? <laughs> oh, guess what? There's great news. Yeah, there is, there one. is one. It's not you, you know, and it doesn't have to be you. That's right. But a part of that is that growth in humility. Mm. And, and, and that does kind of crush the wall of loneliness, right? Yeah. Um, that we build, we build up around ourselves. Um, because we, we do, we have to keep, we have to be perfect. We have to put our best selves forward. We always have to look perfect on social media. We certainly have to always look perfect. And when we try sure. not to look perfect on social media, it comes off all wrong anyway. Yeah. Like you can try to be authentic and be real, but it comes off totally wrong <laughs> anyway, because right. it's not the place for that. Like, right. Um, so, so anyway, like that, that, that deeper connection and, and the way you were verbalizing that there just reminded me of the essence of who we are, growth and humility, growing mm. in humility, being yeah. able to admit in our human relationships and our human friendships that we've fallen, that we've made mistakes with our children, of course. Yeah. Man, let your children know that that I did not handle that, yeah. right? You know, um, and I'm really sorry. And kids, gosh, kids bounce back from this. When you're real with them, they bounce back so fast. Yeah, right? um, love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, it does. Right, right. Like one act of love mm-hmm. can set the trajectory a completely different mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. 
and admitting yeah. admitting the way we've come up short the way we failed the way yeah that's the first step of that amen yeah, that humility um so yeah okay so vulnerability <laughs> humility yeah. um we've talked about the reality of of loneliness and really mm-hmm. how that that can be the essence of so many things um things that you wouldn't obviously like there's no connection there it might might be it might be um a connection to that and feeling that um being vulnerable i thank you for for calling that out being vulnerable with others being vulnerable with god being vulnerable with yourself yeah That's we don't right. do that do we no we don't we don't do that not at all we're not talking about that no. we're not going there i'm not you know mm-hmm. i was just wondering about uh a podcast I'm going to record before this one, which is different. So the listeners, the way they're hearing this, the podcast you and I are recording will come after, but I need to record another one that comes before. And I was wondering about um, the topic and now I'm going to say this and I'm going to have to be accountable to it. But the reflection I came across was learning to love the me that I hate. Mm. And I, and I think that's what I'll focus on. But, um, oh, but coming, yeah. you know, looking in the mirror and like seeing, and you're like, Oh, I'm not looking at you. Cause I don't like you you know, but allowing the Lord to bring you through that process of learning to love that person who I, I I can maybe look at her and say, I don't agree with the decisions you made and you made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, you made detrimental mistakes and knowing what I know now, I like, what were you thinking type Mm -hmm. of a thing? But God loved that, that person, that woman, that girl, you know, loved her right through all of that. And a part of us is growing in that self-knowledge to, to look at that side of us that you know those pages of your book that you just want to rip out and burn and to say um you know what no god loved that woman that that young woman that girl and so i need to learn to love her too yes and it's easy at least for me in my own experience it's been easier if i come if i cross paths with somebody who's struggled with the same thing or chosen the same sin that that i chose over the years man i can look at them with compassion and empathy and say god loved you loves you and loved you through that but I don't give myself <laughs> the same benefit of that doubt, that same grace, right? That's right. So, um, so learning to love that person and, and growing in, in being vulnerable with yourself is a part of that and growing in that virtue of humility, growing in um, receiving all the Lord wants to give you, which yeah. is love even in those mo- moments of deep brokenness, right? Yeah, amen. Mm-hmm. I was thinking as you're talking about this, you know, one of the ways that we can encounter these relationships with self and even with God in a more profound way. You talked about through prayer and we talked, we think about like Ignatian contemplation and imagery, right? Like Ignatius um, was like really bold and saying like, we can use all of our senses. I think there's a lot of fear when people come to therapy, like imagination, like I can't trust it, but like we can really open our senses and our minds to encountering things that we just can't perceive with our eyes. Mm. Right. And so using that within um, scripture, within like Lexio Divina, accompanying it with that, like sitting, putting myself into a story, into a gospel narrative, imagine Jesus going along and picking the 12 apostles and he picks me mm-hmm. like, oh, what's that like to be called on? What is it? What does it draw up within me? What's it like to come home, run home to the... Um, to the father who's ready to like mm. throw the robe on me and give me a ring. He's just like, I'm so excited that you're back mm. just because you're who you are and how loving that is. And so we in therapy do that, but we take it in a slightly different direction sometimes too. When we look at those encounters with ourselves, one of the things that I love to do that you're just like talking about, mm. my bones are just over here like, yes, mm. is thinking about those parts of me that I do not like. Mm-hmm. Those things that I've done that I'm not proud of or I hate or I run from it or I'm scared mm-hmm. of. And to use 
it's so fascinating when when I ask people like what where where's a younger version of yourself that's felt this way mm-hmm. and oftentimes they're able to find someone usually around you know a little kid like 10 9 somewhere around there mm-hmm. and they see this kiddo who's who's struggling and who's suffering or this younger version of themselves who's struggling and they do like we can look at that person and say I don't want to approach them as though they're a person like on a bench outside. Like and we draw up this imagery. We really get that lived experience again. And it's amazing what happens when people really put themselves back in the image. They feel it all over. Like our bodies, our spirits, we hold on to influential experiences. Mm-hmm. We do. It's, it's amazing what happens. When we go into those experiences, so often the reaction is... I don't want to approach them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't like them. I want to chastise them. Mm-hmm. I maybe want to give them soft words of encouragement like, eh, it's going to get better or just just stand up mm-hmm. and push yourself harder. That's that critical voice that we've so often tuned up. But really, like, what's that person need? What's that person in that position need, that younger part of me that is tangibly stuck in that experience? Mm-hmm. I oftentimes just need a hug. Mm-hmm. They need seen. They need loved. Mm-hmm. We need to be Christ for them, mm-hmm. right? And to go and bring them back into the fold, into the body that is you. Because mm-hmm. when you're wrestling between these parts, I've got this critical part and I've got this younger part, you feel that in your body. Mm-hmm. It's loud. It's so loud. And when you can go and you've got this part and this part and they're hugging and they're loving each other and it's all back together through that beautiful imagery, through that experience. I mean, the tears that I see people experience, the calmness that comes Mm -hmm. and then the continuation, like you said, of that same narrative of like, oh, I can be compassionate towards this person of myself that I hated. I can be compassionate to myself in the future, when I let someone down, when I let down my children, when I let down my my boss, when I let down mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. I can say, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Or I can be compassionate towards that friends because I've experienced that love and I know how transformative that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have been loving enter- entering into these relationships with these beautiful people that I get to walk with who are so courageous and are so much more gentle with themselves instead of being harsh and can really trust. I think one of the, there are like eight C's that describe like our ideal self or like our well-developed self. And and typically it's, it's compassion, it's curiosity, it's kindness and caring and these really beautiful words and seeing people learn how to have confidence that like my experience, what I'm having right now is is my experience. Like it's what I'm experiencing. Yep. I don't have to tell myself to shut up. I don't have to tell myself that that's not true. I don't have to question my own self and doubt and doubt, but I can experience that. And then with that confidence, I can now do something about it. Mm-hmm. I can come to the Lord and, and help him to help me by being open to him and navigating that. It's mind blowing. These are big topics, I know, but it's just so beautiful when you, like you said, when I can look at myself and I can give myself that love 
And I can look in the mirror instead of seeing this person I hate. I can see this person that I respect, care for. And I can see the person that God sees Mm -hmm. within me. Mm -hmm. It's taking this mercy of God and this justice of God and this beautiful marriage that is when they come together. Um, Oh, yeah. So (laughs) such such deep topics, I know. So let's just let's just keep talking. Yeah. Okay. So this has come up a couple times as we've we've had our discussion. Um, By the way, if you're tuning in and you're like, okay, this has got too long, this would be a great place to pause because I'm not like changing topics or anything, but we're going to keep the conversation going. But you could pause here. You can pick up where you left off and and come back and and not have to like rethink, okay, what what did I, I left mid-conversation and I don't know where we're at. So anyway, if you need to pause, pause. And as people always Mm -hmm. know, like you're there for them. Mm -hmm. If they want to reach out and have questions, I'm there for them. You're going to always, you always provide contact information like we are here to walk with you on this journey. Mm-hmm. We're just really vibing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I can put your contact information um, and, and mine as well in the show notes so you guys will know like where to go. Um, yeah, so so very good. So we've talked about um, this freedom. Yeah. Freedom. To be who we truly are. To receive yes. the love that we've truly been created to receive, right? Yeah. To walk as children, beloved sons and daughters of God, of mm. people who have been redeemed, who are redeemed by by Christ, right? In, by, in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, by what he did for us on the cross. This freedom mm. to actually love, to receive the love that mm. we're made to receive, but to give this love in return. And how this all becomes hindered, you know? Our sin, our imperfections, our weaknesses, our vices, the narrative, the false narrative, whatever it is, it, all, it just becomes a little warped and twisted. Yeah. But how can we... How I like can how you're moving walk? your hips yeah. there, the little well, dance, I, like I talk, trying to navigate it through life. <laughs> I, that's how I talk with <laughs> I don't know how to talk without him. Yeah. So I keep thinking about um, something I read recently about um, St. Mary Magdalene and, and mm. the Lord walking with St. Mary Magdalene, mm. kindred soul, St. Mary Magdalene, just... Mm-hmm deep conversion on fire with the Lord's love walked with him all the way to the cross. But one of the the powerful scenes between our Lord Jesus and Mary Magdalene in scripture that we can get through. Um, by the way, I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but the book is, um, called St. Mary Magdalene prophetess of Eucharistic love. It's by father Sean Davidson, S E A N Mm. Davidson. It is so beautiful. Mm. Oh, anyway, just that so beautiful. Great. Yeah. But anyway, he talks about how in one of these encounters with Mary, when she's anointing his feet, and so she's the one that is, you know, bathing the Lord's feet with his tears, drying them with her hair, the sinful woman forgiven, right? And where, where Jesus uses this as a teaching moment with with the other disciples of like, who's going to love him more, right? The one whose greater debt was forgiven, right? Um Somebody has two debtors, one owes 500 denarii, the Mm -hmm. other 10. Who's going to love him more? The one whose greater debt is forgiven, right? But it talks about how Jesus reacted to this woman. So here is this sinful woman approaching Mm -hmm. Jesus in this moment. Um, People know she's a sinful woman, and they're scandalized by the Mm -hmm. fact that she's even in the room because she's a sinful woman. Mm -hmm. And if you would know what kind of woman this is who is touching you, you wouldn't be a prophet because Mm -hmm. you'd be scandalized by her too, right? But Jesus doesn't move. In fact, he's unflinched by this reality, right? He allows this woman to approach him. He allows Mm -hmm. her to to touch him, to anoint him. And then he basically uses it as a moment to... as an exhortation like not only is she okay in my presence open your eyes a little bit to see why so Mm. uses this as a teaching moment Mm. but the author points out the beauty of his freedom in this moment and it's like one it's like two little sentences like not even two little words you have to like really like be paying attention to catch it but he mentions in this like he's free to love her Mm. because he is not worried about what other people are thinking of him 
going back to he's secure in who he is That's right. and who he's called to be and and what he's here to do he's love itself he's love incarnate Amen. so he is not hindered by this false narrative of oh i'm worried about what you think of me so let me approach this differently mm. so as not to offend you or scandalize right. you no he's free to love her the way that she's worthy of being loved and she's at this point free to receive this love because she's not scandalized by this fact either i mean it, what That's courage right. and boldness it would take her yeah. to approach him right because she's a woman and totally. women are not talking to men or mm-hmm. interacting with men she knows she's a sinner and here's this prophet who's deemed very highly at this point um and she's she has the audacity yeah because she's free to receive that love amen um and there is something here there in the what we've mm. been talking about these themes of security these themes of freedom um and then to give and to receive love because so often we're we're insecure in so many ways. We haven't um, we haven't fully received what the Lord wants to give us. We have a lot of things He's He's bringing us through and healing us through. And for many of us, for most of us, this is a lifelong process. You yes. know, we to to heal through all of these things. Yeah. But to some people and to Saint Mary Magdalene, for whatever reason, and, and Jesus in this, like they they are secure in who they are that they are not hindered by other people's opinions of them. So they can live in the trueness of this friendship, this Mm. intimacy that they Mm -hmm. are sharing um, without it being scandalous to them in their own, in their own psyches even. Um, And so this free to love without worrying about what other people think of us, there is really something to that too, because very few of us, I think are that free. Yeah. Yeah? Um, Where we're like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm having coffee with a friend and we've just sat and chatted for three hours and who knows what everybody else in the coffee shop just thought about that conversation. I, I'm free enough to love to know that what's happening here is genuine. Sure. And so I'm not going to let that hinder this this authentic friendship that's happening um, that's with us right. in front of us. Um, so anyway, I'm not really sure where to like take the conversation from yeah. here, but it keeps coming up. This interaction between yeah. Jesus and Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. um, the security that he had and who he is. He knows who he's here, who he is. He knows yeah. what he's here to do. Um, and so he's not going to let this potential issue be an issue because it's not an issue. Right. right. I'm going to love her. She loves me. And let me allow, let me teach you guys what this is really about 100%. underneath it all. Um, so anyway, I guess, um, <laughs> How do, how, how do we become, cause we can know that we can recognize that. Oh yeah, that's truth. Whether we want to believe it or not, there's truth, there's goodness, there's beauty in that. How do we allow the Lord to bring us to these places of greater healing? Yes, ma'am. Um, these greater intimacy, mm. this greater security in him. We've mm. talked about a few things growing in our life of prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, having courage in our lives of prayer. Um, this, this guided meditation, this Lexio Divina, trusting that the Holy Spirit is working in us, that the Holy Spirit will, will guide us and protect us, surrounding ourselves by authentic friends who are walking this path, who will call us out when we need to be called out, who will receive our forgiveness when we know we need to receive it or, or it needs to be given. Yeah. Um, certainly immersing ourselves in the gifts, Holy Mother Church, the sacramental life of the church, right? Yeah. Um, making good regular confessions, feeding on our Lord in his Eucharist, um, doing these things, seeking out, you know, therapy when we need that, when we need yeah. that, when we need that professional help on things, that professional outlook, having the courage, the boldness to do that. Yeah. Um, but how else, what else, is there anything else? Or do you want to elaborate on any of those, those things yeah. of what we can do? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm just, this is so good. This, this conversation just brings me so much joy Mm -hmm. because in a world like you can go on Amazon right now and there are just countless self-help books, right? And ways in which people are striving to be the best version of themselves by bearing down, gritting their teeth and getting through it. 
Um, I once heard a joke that was really interesting. That was uh, once heard a joke that was really interesting to me. I noticed that I covered my mouth. I'm talking into a microphone. Sure. Um, that what is so cognitive behavioral therapy? People have heard about it. It's one of the most sought after therapies today. It's um, where you retrain your brain, the way that you think. You you pick different behaviors and uh, that you do. Cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm trying to actions, thoughts, and feelings, and then you change the way like kind of you feel by doing the things that set you up for success, changing the way that you perceive things, etc. Right? This therapy has been around for a while. Insurance loves it. It gets rid of symptoms very quickly. We talked about with the problem with symptom management though earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And so cognitive behavioral therapy has been around for a long time. Like how can I tell myself the new narratives that I want to believe instead of the old narratives that I do believe? Mm -hmm. Um, And I once heard someone say this really funny joke. What is another name for cognitive behavioral therapy? Gaslighting. Mm. Telling myself what I want to believe or telling myself that I'm wrong and what my my beliefs are and instead of telling my and telling myself what I should believe is really when you think about it in a relationship standpoint awful right mm. when someone comes to you and they're really upset and you say no you're not upset you're actually okay mm. or when someone comes to you and said like I'm really scared about this like oh you have no reason to be scared go do this instead mm-hmm. like it, it misses the person mm. And when I think about, oh my gosh, you're talking about this beautiful security of St. Mary coming, St. Mary Magdalene coming to Jesus and feeling his security and knowing that there's a beautiful bond there and like all the other storms, like literally the image that I'm getting is Jesus in a, in a boat with the, the apostles. Mary is the one that's in the boat in this situation and everybody else is like causing the tidal waves and like what's going to happen and they're just chilling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they're having this secure connection it's all mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and then the waves calm as they see uh this person especially the apostles they see this person who they've been so deeply connected with which is jesus responding to this woman this way this sinner this way and the security that he has it gives it like it's hard for them it pulls at them it mm-hmm. invites them to something greater thinking about the samaritan woman right like thinking about her reactions when she came to the well and Jesus was there and she's getting a bit feisty in the narrative, but he's just chilling, chilling Mm -hmm. in his security because he knows who Mm -hmm. he is Mm -hmm. and he knows the father's love, Mm -hmm. right? The security that the love the father has for him helped him to do all of these really amazing things. Because like you said, if the world is falling to pieces around me, but I'm secure on the Lord, then none of it really matters anyway because I've got him mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And when we think about what do the disciples do, what do the apostles do after that? They offered up their lives because they were so deeply secure. I mean, the church right now, as we record this, is going through the book of Acts, right? We see mm-hmm. the early church and how courageous these young guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, and young women too, like they're just like on fire because they know the truth and the truth has set them free Mm -hmm. and secure. They've seen what the Lord has done. They've seen his resurrection. They're just so comforted. They've encountered his love and now they can go be courageous. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing that I'm kind of just sitting with as you're talking about this is like, CBT and much of like what we do and we're trying to tell ourselves to be better, like it's only really through authentic relationship can we truly be free. Mm -hmm. Authentic, safe, 
caring, secure relationship, can we truly risk climbing the tree of life? It's one of my favorite images. Mm -hmm. A young child looking up in that tree, all the branches, all the fruit. Could you imagine the perspective when I climb the tree, all the world that I could see? I want to. What happens if I fall? and I break my arm and I'm hurt. Will anyone be there for me? If not, I might not climb that tree. But if I know that my mom and my dad are there for me and they're going to be there for me, I can risk doing really awesome things and look at the fruit that's on the other side, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what the Lord does for us and just yearns to do for us. I want you guys to go live and be the hands and the feet lean and not just do all of this hard work, but like be set free and from your freedom, walk in that freedom mm-hmm. and invite people into that same freedom and that security. I mean, can you imagine what the world would be like if there was more freedom, like true interpersonal within myself and between others, like freedom mm-hmm. and security. Oh, it would be, amazing it'd be refreshing yes (laughs) it would be so so refreshing um but here's the thing let's not let's not get to the listeners let's not get overwhelmed by the task at hand like you said this beautiful imagery let's not be looking up at the tree and saying you know i'm i'm 70 years old i haven't even begun climbing yet at this point um let's not get overwhelmed by this Mm -hmm. yes you're quoting scripture early earlier love covers a multitude of sins Christ is our savior. Amen. We don't need to be the savior. We're not the savior. That's right. You know, so let's not get overwhelmed by the task of, of even all the things we've talked about of, you know, we've talked about, you know, when you enter into therapy, when you enter into the, a, a deeper life of prayer, some of this stuff will naturally come up sure. as well, just like it would in therapy. You know, 100%. the Holy Spirit is guiding you. And, and I've noticed that with my own experience, if I go back and I read my journals and I read my books and I look at that and I like, oh, the, look what the Lord was doing this. I didn't necessarily have a guided therapist who was pulling this out, but but right. you're instruments of the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're doing your Hopefully. job well. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're doing your job well. <laughs> um, this is what you're just a conduit of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can, right. can do this in our lives of prayer as well. 100%. Um, talking about being vulnerable with yourself being an aspect. Yeah, that, like the light bulb went off. Oh shoot. That's just what I was doing in my journal. Right. Mm. I was being vulnerable with myself. I was communicating with the Lord. I was dialoguing with the Lord about these things. I was growing in my life of prayer, studying the church. What does the church actually teach about this wrestling with those things? Um, but then ultimately I was being vulnerable with myself in my journal saying, yes. Hey, I don't love the, I, I need to learn the, to love the me that I hate, but I really hate her. Right. Yeah. And I was journaling about that and writing yeah. about that. So, you know, the Lord is using that as, as an avenue uh, of that. Um, I'm like, as I'm talking, I'm like, where was I going this? I promise I was going somewhere. Um, when we were talking about security, being vulnerable, humility. Sure. Hmm. I did have a point with that, but it has, it'll come back if it's meant to. Yeah. Let's, let's circle. Cause there was one other thing I wanted to be sure that we, we talked about. Yeah. And that was the very beginning, very mm-hmm. beginning when we mm-hmm. were talking about loneliness Yeah. and kind of maybe a root of all of that where, or the anxiety was the example you were using. Somebody mm-hmm. comes in super anxious about yeah. stuff. Okay. Well, what is that? What is that really pointing to? What, what, what's that symptom really revealing about yes, what's ma'am. going on? Um, one of the things you mentioned was maybe a fear of suffering, Yeah. fear of suffering. Um, yes. Truth. Who, who among us, who's not a saint 
walking in the paths of holiness because that's a conversion you'll see in the life of the soul and you can read about in the lives of the saints who've gone before us sure. they began not to fear the suffering and maybe that was the point we were talking about the early church and being secure enough to be to be willing to die to stand on this truth right 100 um yeah so maybe that was where i was circling back to but this sure. fear of suffering because mm-hmm. that's a reality for sure. We, we fear that. We don't want to suffer. And we mm-hmm. live in a world that says you don't have to. Mm-hmm. If this is hard, you don't have to You don't have to wade in these waters. Go find something that's easier. Yeah. You don't have to eat this food that's good for you. You can have whatever you want anytime yeah. you want. It's garbage. And we it can be delivered to your doorstep tonight. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime you want it, right you now. can have this, right? That's right. So we live in a world that's this gratification, this this consolation, whatever. You can have this. You don't, you don't need to suffer. Mm. And yet we can look to our Lord on a cross and we can say but that's what he did right how am i removed from that yeah like that that doesn't equate it's not authentic because he he came to suffer for us and he invites his friends to walk with him in that journey now we're not called to suffer we're just called to share in those sufferings right but we fear that we do and we run from it Mm -hmm. and it keeps us it hinders us to use that word again from being authentically secure in who we are Mm. um to be um truly free to love to receive the love that we're made to receive to give the love that we're made to give um because we can't get over the fear of the suffering um how do you walk with somebody in that sense um to to because we can talk about it all day. And I do. And I've talked about it on the podcast. The beauty of suffering. We can talk about what the Holy Mother Church teaches us about redemptive suffering and the beauty of that and entering into that. Um, but at the end of the day, we still don't like to suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we still we don't. don't like to suffer. Yeah. Um, we can read about beautiful souls like Teresa Vavla, Therese of Lisieux, who's also behind you. And, mm-hmm. and we can... Therese, on, on her deathbed, in her last conversations with... The sisters were recognizing there's something special about this 24-year-old girl. Yeah. And they began documenting what she was saying. On her, on her deathbed and it's captured in her, the book her last conversations but she's quoted as saying in there like she had come to love suffering so much not love mm. suffering she had come to see the beauty of suffering so much mm. that she didn't understand how she'd be happy in heaven because in heaven there wouldn't be suffering mm. and so she couldn't compute that because i've yeah. come to see the beauty of it in such a real profound way wow. that yeah. though she admitted psychologically she could empathize with people who who were tempted to take their own life because her physical suffering, her, her spiritual suffering was so intense at the end of her life that um, that she recognized that, that if there were pills here or there was something here, I'd be tempted to that. So keep it away from me. Sure. Type of a thing. Sure. So she was suffering on such a real level and she felt the suffering. Yeah. And yet on the same hand could mm. say, but I see the beauty of it in such a profound way because I see Christ in it in such a profound way that I don't even know how I'm going to be happy in heaven because the yeah. suffering will be gone. Yeah. That's profound. It is profound. And that's a moving of grace that we as human beings will look at and go, that does not make sense. Sure. Right? Because yeah. the second a loved one passes away, it's they're free now. They don't yeah. have to suffer mm. anymore. We don't equate that the suffering was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, and and again, I'm not just saying we don't suffer just for the sake of suffering. That's not the, that's a psychological uh, reality. That's not what God is asking of us. Like, yeah. but the, the beauty in recognizing that I guess he came to suffer for us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so how do we help? How how do we how do we as people? How do you with your clients? How do you in your own life of prayer and your own life of your family as a husband and and a father? Um, how do you navigate that reality of allowing the Lord to help you overcome that fear of suffering? Yeah, sure. I think 
one of the things and we're talking about security i think the low-hanging fruit here that would be quickly plucked off but then we'll go slightly different direction is um it's hard to suffer alone it really mm. is we can be overwhelmed if we feel like we're suffering by ourselves sure. right and so there's something that, again, within that security that we get from God and, and, and especially from others around us, too, that we can receive also from the additional support um, that it helps to give us the courage to to do to point in the direction that we need to go, that we know is inevitably most freeing for us. And I think one of the things that I would do were a patient or client to come and, you know, expressing this, this suffering and this, this issue with suffering. I'm just going to look at it kind of a lot for my own life even is that again, I think people are, are experiencing failure in their attempts to numb themselves out or to deal to the, with a suffering in a way that I'm trying to push from it, which inevitably creates more issues like suffering and life really kind of go hand in hand. And so um, when I try to flee from the valley of tears and try to stay all like artificially on the mountaintops through um, the various ways that I'll cope, eating, drinking, mm -hmm. um, gambling, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, I, pornography just jumped into my mind mm -hmm. too, right? For people that are seeking inauthentic relationship, but mm -hmm. man, it approximates somewhat close because it's another person or whatever that I get to see. Um, there's more and more suffering that comes on the other side. And so then I'm just stuck in this spiral of suffering rather than seeing it as a gift or embracing it or seeing it as a, as a mark of the freedom. And so I think one of the first things that I do with a patient is first I give them security and relationship by being there with them. And then from that, we create some space that we take a step out of the cycle that they're in. Mm -hmm. And we look at what are the benefits and consequences of the ways in which you're trying to deal with life now? And what is a change that your body is yearning to feel for instead, right? And typically it's freedom and what is one of the negatives that comes with walking in freedom and detaching from this way in which I've navigated suffering all of my life is that I'll lose control, that I'll suffer, that things will be hard. And we look as a way to see like by breaking that down, we see that it's inevitably one of the risks of living a life of freedom is to suffer. But then all of the beautiful fruits that come with living a free life over the false fruits that come with living a life of sin or being bound or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The positive fruits of the freedom far outweigh the negative fruits or the fruits that false fruits that come from the other side. And so I think people help trying to help people come face to face and give them like build up the motivation to say, yeah, I'm just scared to take this step, but I know it's what I need to do. My body's yearning for it and I just need to throw myself into this to trust, to take that step that the Lord will be there for me to catch me when I fall and that this is inevitably the direction that I'm called to go in. Mm -hmm. um, that's really kind of where I would start 
is creating that secure relationship and then really trying to build a motivation for change that intentionally identifies the fear. We've got to call it out. I'm afraid to suffer. And even knowing that, I'm willing to risk leaning through it for the greater goods on the other side mm-hmm. in a way that I've never been able to before. Mm-hmm. Even you saying like it's the low hanging fruit, so let's pluck that first. <laughs> and yet it, it, it ties into everything we've been talking about yeah. in that authentic relationship, that authentic security, that authentic friendship, that, that we're really suffering from a problem of deep loneliness, right? Yes. Go back to the garden, go back to, to, um, to, to the creation of woman. And, and Adam's reaction to that is, ah, oh, this one at last, mm-hmm. right? That authentic connection with somebody. And this does not have to be with thousands of millions of people. No. This is with one, one person you can authentically connect with someone yes. could radically change the way you live your life mm-hmm. um, in that authentic connection. And we're so, it's all about numbers. It's all about success. It's all about, you know, the prestige, more I have, fame. prestige, it, yes. It's another, but that's yeah. another way in which we try to deal with the loneliness, yeah. right? Yeah, it's right. another thing alongside the addiction and alongside the 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 porn or alongside the food or alongside the whatever. It, fame, prestige, is another way mm-hmm. that tells me, and it's so sneaky. You, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I love how we keep circling back, right? Like we circle and we draw mm-hmm. deeper. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful. You're talking about like we're more connected than we've ever been. Yeah, kinda, but like boundaries are super set. And really it's just about numbers and like how many likes and how many subscribers or whatever a lot that people can hang their hat on. Mm -hmm. But that's just a sense of like, I'm using, like in my mind, I'm I'm famous now, more famous and more prestigious and I'm chasing that. And, but it's kind of through people. So isn't that meeting that person part of me that's yearning for connection? Well, no, you're just telling yourself that. People are really just pawns in your scenario of looking for fame really that authentic relationship of that one-to-one, two-to-one, whatever it is, those few relationships that you have that are deeply loved, re- like they replace significantly anything that, that fame could ever really give you, that mm-hmm. real, deep, vulnerable, mm-hmm. intimate love, mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not that's not fancy or magical <laughs> or there's no fireworks to that. That is so ordinary and so simple to like be an authentic friend and, and receive authentic friendship and in all those ways we've talked about with a human person in front of you with your, the Lord in prayer and in the sacraments with your with yourself being authentically like there's nothing magical about that and that does not excite me yeah. and yet this is where truth goodness and beauty lies truth. is it not yes it, it, it's it's right here yes. and it's I've, I had yeah. somebody recently communicate like what we're doing here as, as an apostle and everything with this just like long suffering work of walking with someone. Mm-hmm. That's the phraseology she used. Mm. I'm, I'm attracted to what you're doing. I'm connecting with what you're doing. I'm willing to take this risk yeah. of potentially sharing my journal with someone else, right? Which is risky yeah, behavior. Totally man. risky. It's risky. It's- I'm willing <laughs> to take it because there's something authentic about what you're doing. Yeah. And it's that long suffering ability to walk with you that patient long suffering like yeah you, you feel secure that i'm not this isn't just about i'm gonna i want to sell a bunch of books and make a bunch of money and then when you're done i'm moving to the next person no right. i'm here to walk with you as long as it takes yeah um and and so to to like go back to that to pluck that fruit to say if we know we're not suffering alone we're more apt to embrace what it is amen
right? Yes. And and so maybe to like kind of put a beautiful ribbon on all of this is that reality of people like you and your profession, um, th- this ministry and what we're doing with walking with, with people who feel called to share their story in the written word or in the vocal word, or um, to just sit down with people one-on-one, just, the, just want a listening, understanding ear, like you don't have to do this alone. And we are not the only people in the world who are willing to like be that be that place of contact for you, That's right? right? Um, and certainly encourage you as listeners of this, um, because if you're listening to this, you're already walking with the Lord in some level of intimacy, or you right. want to be listening to this um, to begin with, to, to open yourself up to being that person to somebody else. Yes. To being that authentic companionship. Yeah. To say, you know what, this just got really uncomfortable, um, but I'm not going to leave because yes. it just got a little hard. That's I'm right. right here, right? I was mm. meeting with somebody the other day and... I can't, we were both bawling at the, the, you know, the, it, it was such a hard th- reality to walk with you yeah. and to ha- and relive this. And we're both crying, but we're crying together during it. Right. And we're going to suffer <laughs> through this together, right? That's right. Because the, the Lord is in this and mm. he wants to heal us from all of this. Yeah. And so to be that authentic friendship to, to someone else and whatever that means. Um, yeah. so. And taste it. Oh, right. Like do that. Mm-hmm. And then like be real with like, oh my gosh. It felt really good mm-hmm. to love someone mm-hmm. and for them to receive that. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so good, right? Mm-hmm. We should taste that. We should enjoy that fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and when I see like, yeah, my patients are being like super courageous in mm-hmm. session, uh, I, I tell them like, I should pay you for being here. It's mm-hmm. so amazing to watch you be courageous with yourself, mm-hmm. with your spouse. Like mm-hmm. I'm in awe at some of the things that people do mm-hmm. from their woundedness yep. but then when they start tasting it they can't help but want more yep. of that love mm-hmm. it's so good i love mm-hmm. that little invitation to mm-hmm. start by being kind with someone else mm-hmm. by being loving mm-hmm. by being vulnerable with someone mm-hmm. else that's so good remember when you were taking us through that imagery of you know going back to the the young young who we are as young people and yeah. journeying through that wound of whatever that might have been and you know that person just needs a hug you know yeah. and I, I smiled I chuckled because <laughs> I've often said that and I've quote, been quoted saying that <laughs> on on air and everything else that I I just am gonna the Lord is gonna heal the world through me with a hug because people just need a hug that's and right this isn't just some like hug that was just like oh I'll see you later it's like no because yeah. a real hug yes. a genuine authentic hug yes. is like like Mary Magdalene at the feet of the Lord anointing him for his passion and his death. Yes. Like he suffered deeply for us, but he didn't suffer alone. The, yes. the women were there. John was there. People were there walking with him, helping Simon, carrying that cross, whatever. He wasn't asked to carry that alone, right? right? And those people might've been few and far between, mm. but um, to, to think that he didn't, he wasn't encouraged by their presence, mm. even if he they couldn't take the pain away. Mm. That would be silly of us right. to think that. Totally silly. Um, yes. So, so to know that we we don't have to suffer alone. <sighs> Suffering is a part of our lives here. It's a beautiful part. It's a difficult thing to understand how it's so beautiful. Um, but just look to the Lord. Look, I keep looking to the Pieta, which is yeah. To, I don't know what kind of beautiful images are behind you, but I really got a nice view of everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, it's just like look to know that okay, there's beauty in that because that's how he came. He didn't have to come that way. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to come to die for us. But he did Mm -hmm. there's beauty in that and and to recognize that you talked about the valley of tears that we live in and and recognizing that is the reality and we don't have to be afraid of that reality that's right um 
but be surrounded and, and grow in our security and our freedom so that we have that courage to take those risks. Um, in, in incredibly ordinary ways, people, incredibly ordinary ways. It is risky to have an uncomfortable conversation with somebody. Yeah. It's so stinking ordinary, but it's risky, <laughs> right? Yes. It's risky to say, yes. oh, I'm super uncomfortable. And instead of talking about this, I'm just, we're going to ignore that this ever happened and we're going to move on. We're right. We're going to self-medicate or whatever we do to like move on from this, but we're not going there. Yeah. That's, it's, it's ordinary to say, I'm going to sit in this discomfort. Um, I, I should say it is ordinary, but it's incredibly risky at yeah. the same time. Can I come in real quick you and say, do. I am thinking about this because I love doing work with couples and, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, next part of our talk or this conversation can shift to that mm-hmm. at some point. Um, not that it needs to, I'm just saying if that's the direction. In fact, I think we should. Let's shift it. So I'm just going to encourage the listeners that if you want to pause again, <laughs> go ahead and pause. Cool. Like you need to pause. This would be a good place to do it. So, okay. Working with couples. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're talking, so you just talked about how um, looking in the small ways to be vulnerable with mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. and um, it can be really risky to mm-hmm. be vulnerable. When I'm thinking about couples, uh, oh my gosh, a lot of our work in therapy with the model that we use is called emotionally focused therapy. It's the most... Um, scientifically reinforced and justified approach to therapy Mm -hmm. for couples. It's fantastic. I'm a big fan. But what we do is we try to get people to break that negative cycle of communication that so often happens and uh, to replace it by something uh, that's more effective. And so we're not, I used to be the therapist that would say, hey, um, do this formula and then you respond in this formula and you and blah, 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 blah. It's like, I feel when you blank, what I need for you to do is blank. And then the other person says, I, what I hear is blank. And I, and I deliver it in this monotone form because I've seen so many patients do that. And you're like, you're doing the communication. They're like, yeah, but I'm not feeling Mm -hmm. different, Mm -hmm. right? Love is missing. Because it's not really risky. I'm still hiding behind the formula. I'm still doing the thing that I'm told to do. And so in therapy, we one of the things when we try to rewrite this communication, when it's hard to take the full step of saying, I really felt disappointed back there and so hurt when you did this, right? Like whatever it is, like we're afraid the other person's going to respond with anger because they've typically done that or they distance and they run away and then I'm alone. Mm. One of the things that I say is slicing it thinner. Okay, so what would it be like to say this to your husband right now? Uh, I'm, I, I don't know if I could do it. I'm afraid how they're going to react. Okay, so you're kind of scared and about the reaction. So there's a part of you that wants to do it, but a part of you that's not sure. And so what I invite people to do as like that first step in that direction is to say, hey, I want to talk about something that uh, is kind of important to me, but I'm, a, I'm noticing I'm a little bit scared of how you might react. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying the full thing, but it's slicing it thinner. It's mm-hmm. a part of that step. Mm-hmm. right and so thinking about how you just said this kind of to bring this full circle is thinking about how you said coming to a friend's being vulnerable about what, what it was say hey i'm noticing that i want to talk to you about something 
but I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get from that friend, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm listening, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be here. And that gives us the courage to open up just a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or being the receiver and saying, hey, it looks like you're feeling a little bit sad right now. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just noticed something. Yeah, it seems like it's a big deal for you. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. You you can tell me. I'll be here for you. Mm-hmm. Will you really? Like, are you going to run away? Are you going to? I'll be here for you, right? You take those small incremental steps towards each other mm-hmm. and then it builds that, right? So if people, if listeners are like, I really want to talk to my husband about this thing or I really want to talk to my wife about this really big, heavy thing for me, but I'm so scared of how they're going to react, moving slightly in that direction is so much progress because mm-hmm. typically we might withdraw. We might try to push it down. I have so many spouses that come and they're like, uh, man, I just like want to stop feeling. I want to stop caring. I'm like, good luck with that. That's never going to happen. Right. right. The Lord has designed you to have passions as the catechism yeah. reveals. He's designed us to have these feelings. Sure. So you're never going to be able to fully numb yourself out to that, mm-hmm. nor would you want to. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're like, yeah, but I'm so hurt at, at, and I'm like, yeah, but does your does your spouse know this? Well, I I explode, or I I withdraw. I want them to know that I want them to be hurt by that because then they'll know. Like, mm. like, do, do you tell them how hurt you are, how sad you might be mm. when they do this? Mm-hmm. Well, no, because I'm afraid of how they'll react if I'm fully vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, and that tells us exactly right where we need to go. Mm-hmm. We need to lean into the relationship. We need to risk it to build that. And when people come face to face with like authentic emotion, mm-hmm. sure, some people can be cold hearted, but oftentimes it hits people in a completely different way mm-hmm. than an attack mm-hmm. ever could, mm-hmm. right? Trying to get them to see the emotion through a not so helpful behavior isn't quite like just being vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You used the phrase when you were beginning that about hiding behind the formula you know Mm -hmm. so i can just tell you to do xyz do xyz you're doing xyz well but it's not working right and hiding behind the formula and so true in in this and how we're navigating our our communication with one another with ourselves. we do this in prayer too yeah tell me about it yeah go of our of our um, vocal prayers, which are so beautiful and so profound in the life of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. This is not to say that we don't the vocal, vocal prayer. Our prayers are our fathers, our Hail Marys, our rosaries, our chaplets, our novenas, that those don't have a place in the church. Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But we hide behind them mm. um, when the Lord invites us. Those are the foundation. It's like how we learn how to walk. Well, it's very important to know how to crawl so that we can walk. Like we, we do this. These are foundational to our development. Um and we can always come back to them. And in times of prayer, times of dryness and times of whatever, to really think about what we're praying when we pray these words, there's beauty in this. Um, but we do have to watch out for that fact that we will hide behind that quote unquote formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just showed up. I did everything what I was supposed to say. Yeah, but nothing changed. Well, you know, because this prayer at, at its best is meant to change our hearts. Mm. It's meant to change our hearts. So if we pray our rosary every day, 
But the second we put our rosary down, we immediately return to our, our sinful inclinations. We immediately engage in gossip. Mm. We're not open to the, and receptive to the Holy Spirit to say, hey, how do I need to change? What, what's going on in my life for prayer? We're making confessions, but they're not good confessions because we're not actually examining ourselves and allowing the Lord to really penetrate those depths of, of motivating that change in us and growing us in humility. Then essentially what we're doing in some ways, we're hiding behind the formula. Yeah. That is, that's a powerful expression mm. in, in what we do. And we do this again, not only in our communications with, with one another, um, we do that in our life of prayer as well. We, we hide. And this goes back to what were we talking about? The first effect back to the garden, what happened after they ate the fruit? They realized they were naked mm-hmm. and they hid themselves. That's right. I'm going to hide. That's we're right. We're get out of here. We're not comfortable being vulnerable anymore. We're not no. comfortable being vulnerable with ourselves. Mm-mm. We're not comfortable being vulnerable with each other. Cover that up, mm-hmm. right? And we're not comfortable with being vulnerable with God. That's Go right. ahead and hide. Yeah. So you can see how this is like a root to mm-hmm. everything from That's the right. beginning. That's right. Of this inclination to hide. Yeah. To not be authentically honest with ourselves or with others. And and you're 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 saying this beautifully because a lot of times incredibly difficult conversations. Now there are some people like you said are just hard hearted or whatever. And you'll you'll notice that. Like um what what was that when Jesus sends the apostles out and he says if 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 it's met with peace when you approach a home like you'll you'll notice that that peace is there and just like remain still and if not then just move on type mm-hmm. of a thing mm-hmm. um, so you'll notice that if it's not received in a place of peace or, or genuineness or whatever yeah um, but anyway most of the time it is yeah. and a lot of times that 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 risk the fear can be eliminated by simply saying we need to talk about something. It's making me super uncomfortable to even mm-hmm. want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it's really important. And, mm-hmm. um, and when somebody opens the conversation, then you've set that person up to say, okay, you know, yeah. and you can notice their discomfort and you can call that out too. I can tell you're really uncomfortable. I can see you literally sweating now yeah, in yeah. front of me. And you say, it's okay. Like yeah. I'm not going, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's I'm right. uncomfortable too. Let's yeah. be uncomfortable together as Amen. we continue to navigate this. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot of the times it's just like, once you enter into the risk, and enter into the vulnerability, it 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 doesn't get easier immediately, mm. but the fear isn't as consuming. For sure. And that's what's so difficult yes. is you get so consumed by the fear yeah. that you don't even take the step to begin with. And yeah. then we are, to go back to your imagery from earlier, we're looking up at the tree and we're like, oh, I'm not even going to climb it. No. No, we're just going to stay right here. Yeah. This is safe. We're just going to stay here. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I'm tired of even looking at it. So I'm just going to cover my face because we're going to pretend like it's not even there. For sure. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to numb to the, even the reality of maybe I'm meant to climb the tree. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so we take that off the table altogether. Um, but yeah, just just beginning that conversation with that. of, of And I keep thinking about an instance of, of somebody who um, I unknowingly like really like offended and it, mm. I didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't intentional. certainly wasn't malicious. Yeah. Um, but, but he had the courage to like reach out to me to like set up a time to actually speak about it in love and in peace. And, and I'm really, and, and anyway, it was like sitting in this very room as this conversation was happening and it was received in such love. Like normally if I've hurt your feelings and you've told me about it, like I would be like emotionally like, defensive maybe or yeah. try to defend myself yeah we or, definitely notice yeah. those parts of us that mm-hmm. are like oh yeah. yeah but this was this was given and received in such a beautiful place of love yeah that it was like oh i'm not in i'm so sorry that i hurt you and i didn't mean to offend you but i wasn't also like but let me tell you why you got that all wrong it was just like no because that was your experience yes and that wasn't my intent but that was your experience right and so it was okay for you but you could see like the person like sweating because obviously we don't want to have this conversation no. right but yeah. you know what the immediate response was after it was all said and done um it it was 
you know what, I have the courage now to go out and have difficult conversations with people that are much more important than what this was. That's right. Right? Because this, mm. this would, this, it was almost like this person needed to experience it with me. It's a training ground. Yeah. It was. Because there's more difficult conversations I need to have with other people. Oh, But absolutely. the way you received that, the yeah. way we were able to journey through that as friends in love, like gave me the courage to go journey that with someone else yes. type of a thing. Right? Yeah. So we can be that. Yes. That. Um, How cool. For other people. Yeah, as well yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i'm thinking about how in this moment um when when we want those people to be like our parents in particular to be able to come to them about conflict and how often i'll have people that mark on maybe like intake sheets that i'm not comfortable with conflict and they feel like that's like just a part of their personality sure. like i'm just not one of those conflict people and it's sure. like no like we should all in theory be like somewhat uncomfortable with conflict a little bit, mm-hmm. but really for the most part, like we see it as a necessary thing for relationship growth. Any good relationship has to have conflict. If it's not, if there's not any type of like tension, there's no growth. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with exercising and training, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're not straining the muscles and stressing them, they're not gonna grow. Mm-hmm. Um, conflict is, is just like a vehicle at which to become better versions of ourselves and our relationship, etc. And I think about like when we have secure relationships with parents, we can feel comfortable being vulnerable and we can hear, we can feel comfortable getting information back that we might not like to hear because we have security knowing that things are going to be okay. Like it's okay. But when I have issues as a child and I want to come to my parents, but they ignore it or they say like their way is the only way and too bad about how I feel or whatever it is then I learned that like I can't trust myself and I learned that conflict's not good and so one of the things you know this goes back to a question it's cool how the spirit brings us up now you were think you were talking about like practical ways to help people grow in dealing with suffering mm-hmm. and dealing with relationship and stuff like that and something that comes to mind um there is a, a mode of therapy that's very similar to the emotionally focused individual work that I do that's called uh, an ideal, ideal attachment figure protocol. Mm-hmm. It's heady knowledge for saying, if I had interactions with ideal attachments, with ideal parents, what would that do? What would that do to me? What would that look like? And... This is hard for some people because the first things they run into is oftentimes, and in fact, I always invite, don't put your parents there because we're talking about ideal attachments. And we as parents, we as people, we are, again, to go back to rupture and repair, we are going to let people down Mm -hmm. at times. It is what happens. And you'll have that context. So if you're trying to think, oh, my parents are ideal, that's a lie. Uh, They are people too, and they've probably hurt you. And so if you keep looking at their faces in this imagery work, you're going to think about, well, yeah, I want to believe that they care about me, but what about this like one time, right? It's just going to be too hard. And so I was talking with someone recently about um, consecrating to Jesus through Mary and Joseph mm-hmm. and allowing, because I have been consecrated through through Mary, mm-hmm. to Jesus through Mary. And then recently within the past so many years, the Joseph consecration mm-hmm. has become more popular and has been a thing. Mm-hmm. And for a while, I 
was like, oh, you know, Mary, Mary's the way. I'm already consecrated to her. It's good. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to this person who I just love and have great respect for. And they were talking about, yeah, I'm consecrated to Jesus through Mary, but I also decided to do the consecration to Jesus through Joseph. Mm-hmm. Because inevitably, Christ came down into this world, into our humanity, that we might better understand and encounter and become our divinity, to become him, mm-hmm. to become like him more and more in every way, mm-hmm. right? And so in the ideal attachment work I would often do with people, who is the ideal mother, Mary, who is the ideal father figure, typically it's like Jesus or some other incarnation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But then through this attachment work and this conversation with this person, it was so beautiful through Mary and through Joseph and kind of imagining them or again, really just what is a perfect embodiment of a mother and a father who look at you with love and attention, kindness, compassion. They like in this image, they see into your heart and you know they see all your nakedness and they're not ashamed of you. So then you start to feel less shame and it's a beautiful imagery. It's so good. But then when you take it a step further and you think about it from a, like a theological perspective and a spiritual perspective, when you have Mary and you have Joseph looking at you with kind love, mm-hmm. and compassion and gentleness and beauty, who are you? You're in that spot of Jesus, right? And you start to embody the things that he received when he entrusted himself to these beautiful saints Mm -hmm. who are mother and father for him in this human life. And, and it's just so powerful to, instead of saying like ideal father is as, as, as Jesus, like, no, I want to become like Jesus. Let me look at the father that he looked at, at least on this side, this Mm -hmm. humanly father, which is Joseph. But then also you can put the Lord into that too. So it's just thinking about this was coming through again is something tangible that the listeners can do mm-hmm. is putting themselves, slowing down, calming. And this is what Eucharistic adoration is so good for too. We put ourselves in the near occasion of Jesus mm-hmm. and we let him look at us and mm-hmm. we see what we feel, what it's like to be looked at mm-hmm. and where he's not ashamed of us mm-hmm. and we're naked before him. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you're here. And we feel that safety, but to take that one step further and to breathe and relax and to allow these this ideal mother and this ideal father to come before you and just to look at you and to notice what it's like that they're not going to chastise you and hurt you. They're not going to abuse you. They're not going to see your nakedness and they're going to be so ashamed they're going to run away and they're going to be disappointed in you. Like, no, no, no. That they are thankful to be in your presence they're honored to be here. They love you. They love you more than maybe even you love yourself. They see something in you that you don't see. And notice what happens. You know, Julia, you talked earlier, if more people were free like this, there would be a freedom that I would experience, that we would all experience. It would be so peaceful, so good. What would that feel like? And what does that feel like when I'm in the presence of ideal mother and father, ideal Mary and Joseph, which just reflect the ideal father, the ideal son, the relationship between them, the ideal spirit coming into us. 
when we encounter that and that nakedness, we come out from behind that bush, right? We drop those leaves and we just sit. And we feel so free within our skin, free within our flesh. We feel secure in the relationship, in our vulnerability. And we can't help but to walk in that way and naturally, not inauthentically exude that, naturally share that security with others as at Easter Vigil, when the light comes off of the Paschal candle and we as believers share that light one to one candles and the, the whole church comes illuminated in this beautiful light that starts and is origined on love itself, which is the love of God. Mm. When you began that, that's beautiful. Thank you for taking us through that. When, yeah. you, when you began that, one of the first things in that imagery of being in the presence of the ideal, the ideal mother, the ideal father, being in the presence of Mary, being in the presence of Joseph, was there. one of the first things they said was, no, 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 I'm honored to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that that is mm. um, an obstacle that um, when I'm sitting with people or when I'm meeting with people, it's, I'm a burden to you. I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want to call and ask you for anything. I don't want this. I don't want, you know, it is. It's that that, that false reality of this is a burden. And, and who knows, maybe we've been made to feel that we are in all those ways. But to really, to really know that it's an honor for me to be in your presence. It's yeah. an honor to get to know you. It's an honor. It's a, just an honor to know more of that depth. Thank you for being so vulnerable. But we we don't. We immediately think we're a burden. If we're vulnerable with somebody, if we're taking all this extra time to talk about these depths, if we're taking all this extra time to be real, to navigate our feelings and what this was, then I am a burden to X, Y, Z. But Alex and all of you that are listening, this we're kind of like we need to chisel away at these things yeah we've talked kind of about this this root of of loneliness and all of this that this loneliness can lead to going back to the garden and and who we were in that moment before the fall that freedom that security of who we were as man as woman um with with ourselves with each other with god right Mm -hmm. and to know that this this kind of lies in the heart of us, of us growing in this freedom and and overcoming this fear of suffering, living in the security of who we are as his beloved sons and his beloved daughters. And there's something to be said to that, to recognize that we are not a burden to God. We do not show up to God in our lives to prayer. We do not mind these depths with him. And he does not look back at it and say, now go on and get on with it. Like, I'm done with this. Like, no. Like, we are not a burden to him. It is an honor. It is an honor. And our stories are, our souls, the stories of our souls are a beautiful gift, a beautiful revelation of himself through, through our ordinary stories in our ordinary lives. And so it is, it is never a burden. And I, I am very, in a very real way, speaking about the ministry here again and what we're doing, um, because I hear that a lot, but there's, there is a beauty to sharing the stories of souls, to hearing them, even if it's never meant to be shared outside of a one-on-one conversation that I have with somebody, I always feel like that, that I am always richly blessed way more than by anybody's getting from me by yeah. just being in the honor of hearing how God is at work in this. Amen. Um, so thank you for those of you that are opening yourself up to, to us, to the apostolate, to the ministry, to me, to, to you in your encounters with your, with your clients, and with the people you're blessed to walk with. Like this is where authentic 
friendship, authentic humanity. Like we we're truly becoming human again. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that reality. <laughs> what Amen. a beautiful gift. Amen. Um, so, so yes, an honor, an honor, an honor to hear your story and to walk with you. Um, wow. Yeah. So we have, we've navigated a lot and yet, I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that it kept circling back to that, to where really where we began, that loneliness, yeah. um, that fear of suffering, how we can grow in security, how we can walk in greater freedom as sons and daughters of, of God, of a good God, God Amen. who is goodness, who is truth, who is love. Um, And so to the listeners, as I kind of wrap up our conversation for today, let me just kind of tune you in. Alex is going to be back again on another on another episode. So if you've enjoyed this and you've appreciated this, um, stay tuned in the next episode that we'll release. Alex and I are going to sit down again with um, Father Jedediah Tridel, who I've had on the show in the past. Yeah, he's not been on the show for a while. So we'll get to reconnect with Father Jedediah and we're going to navigate this theme, I'm sure this will come up because it's the essence of who we are sure. as human beings. But in yeah. a particular way, we're going to look through the lens of what's the difference between therapy, what you provide through spiritual direction, and through the sacrament of confession, what happens yeah. in that beautiful sacrament. So Father Jedediah will be here to help us navigate that, and we can continue this discussion and others as well um, with that. So that's where we're going. Let me uh, tell the listeners, how how can the listeners get in contact with you? Again, I'll put this in the show notes, but how can they yeah, get in touch with you? absolutely. So uh, visit us on the web at rwpsych.org. Mm-hmm. That's rw. P-S-Y-C-H dot org. There you can find out more about all the practitioners that are at Ruah Woods Psychological Services. You can also find contact information for us. Our phone number is on that main page, 513-407, wait, 513-407-8878. And um, so those are a couple ways in which you can get a hold of me. Um, I also have a profile on the Catholic Therapists uh, website. So if you Google, there's a beautiful directory. So wherever you are throughout the world, I really want to plug this website. It's wonderful. Um, CatholicTherapists.com, I believe is the website. I typically just Google Catholic Therapists, not Catholic Counselors. That's a little bit different. Catholic Therapists is like a directory of faithful Catholic practitioners throughout the world. And you can find um, your nearest um, provider to you. It's a, a really beautiful resource. All of us at Ruah Woods are listed on this. Um, there's a direct means of communicating with me there, um, but you can also find a nearest provider for you. If you do not live in Ohio or Kentucky or Indiana, we might not be able to provide you with services at Ruah Woods, but we you feel free to reach out and we can help point you in the direction of where you could go. Also, the Catholic Therapist website could do that too. And lastly, we're all a part of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association as well. Just a small little plug for that beautiful organization. Again, faithful Catholics that are working together to provide beautiful therapy um, to people throughout the world. It also has a directory that's being tuned up a bit. Mm-hmm. And so there's a resource on there to find other practitioners mm-hmm. in your area as well. Um, but yeah, feel free to use one of those means to get in contact with me. And uh, whether it's questions, whether it's you're looking about, you're looking at therapy, you're inquiring about it, um, by the way, which is a huge courageous step, oh, like, yeah. and just remember mm-hmm. I was talking about slicing it thinner. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, even just reaching out is such a courageous step and mm-hmm. slicing it thinner. And again, I just like want to encourage you that it's, it's typically within that loneliness that you're experiencing that you're just looking for a hand up. Mm-hmm. You're looking for help. And that's what I and so many love to do, both within the counseling world and outside of it, just mm-hmm. like you love to do, Julia, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so let me acknowledge that beautiful, courageous step that you're looking to take, take and invite you 
to to make that reach Mm -hmm. because it's through that reach that you're going to encounter hopefully that love that you're seeking and it is as is the same as the theme continues to go back to if you're experiencing that loneliness reach out to god be honest and bold with him like you said i feel like i'm a burden i feel like i can't be real i'm just going to pray more rosaries and stuff beautiful prayers Mm -hmm. love those love the sacraments Mm -hmm. The church in itself is a sacrament. It is the greatest sacrament because inevitably he it is his foundation to help us to be intimate with him mm-hmm. and him to be intimate with us. He just wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to love you. He wants you to come out from behind that bush to be naked and to be unashamed. So if you're thinking about reaching out to one of us, that's great. But also, please take the courage just to reach out to the Lord mm. and let him start to rewrite that narrative mm. of one who will reject you or not be there for you. No, no, no. As one who hears you, receives you, and is so thankful that you're the little child that's going to come up and say, Mommy or Daddy, I'm upset. Mommy or Oh my gosh, as a parent, my child comes to me, Daddy, I'm upset. Oh, my heart breaks and I love that. that They feel Mm -hmm. so safe and willing to come to me that I can be there for them. That's all the Lord ever wants to be for us. Even if you're upset with him, take it to him. Uh, He's a big God. He can Mm -hmm. can handle it. He wants you close, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So feel free to reach out to one of us. Feel free, please, to take that courageous step and reach out to him. Yes, remember you're you're never alone, and and he who prays is especially never lonely. That's right. So if we, we we're not connected with the resources, you're you're never alone in prayer with the Lord. So please, please, please take that risk. Be vulnerable. Um, wow, I can't. I you know I again I don't know why I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that this is where the conversation went. But you know yeah. we 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 have discussed ideas about things to talk mm-hmm. about. But just this idea of this vulnerability, and again, wow, that so ties into what we're doing up here. Um, even even hearing that word be naked like that that should make you it probably is making you cringe (laughs) it's uncomfortable it is so uncomfortable to be vulnerable um and and here up here what we're doing with my writing with speaking what we're doing as the apostolate yes we definitely are stretching people out of that that comfort zone Mm -hmm. not not in an unnatural way though Mm -mm. in an incredibly natural way because this is the essence that that of which we were made and of which the lord is 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 drawing us to those depths so um Okay, so I will list all of those websites in the show notes so we know how to get in touch with you. You're going to be with us again um, in another episode. And I don't know about you, but I'm always open to continuing this down the road. Like we yeah. right now we have ideas to release a couple, um, but certainly if, if you are listening to this and you have like questions or there's topics that you want us to talk about more or whatever, we can, we're both open to continuing to do these every Absolutely. now and again. So we can always do that and, and allow that to be a resource for you. That's awesome. Um, so, so yeah. Um, what else am I missing? Am I missing anything else? I don't think so. God is good. All the time. <laughs> God is good. God is love. Um, it's uncomfortable to be vulnerable, but so important to who we are and who we're created to be. And there is freedom in it. There's freedom in the surrender of all of this. Um, so allow the Lord to just chisel us just ever so slightly, break down those walls to grow us in his love. Okay. I look forward to being with you again in the next episode to be with Father Jedediah as well. And I think think that's it come out of hiding folks is that what i should title this come out of hiding come out of hiding i like it um would you mind uh closing us in prayer let's do it yeah in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Amen. amen father we approach you this day through the beautiful sacred heart of your son we thank you that we can approach you 
We thank you that you are a father who gets us, who knows us. You know everything about us, even before we come. Yet you ask us to come. You don't force us. You ask us. And you receive us. Help us to listen to that little nudge to come be courageous with you. That we, in that security, may be courageous with ourselves and for others to be the authentic light for the world. Please equip us with your Holy Spirit that can remain, keep us patient, help us to be present and steadfast in your love. May we offer any concerns that we have into your hands. May we thank you now for the blessings that are in this moment and look forward to the beautiful blessings that are to come. For you are a God who loves. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.